Hello, online family. My name is Matthew Malik, and I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We are so incredibly glad that you chose to tune in to the Refuge official podcast today. We believe the message you are about to hear will inspire you in a very meaningful way. We believe the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work in your life. And we believe that you'll hear from him today. Please enjoy. Glad to be here today. And, you know, I, I have a word for you today and I want to get into it. But something I, I think about when we approach God, because our approach to God is always to obtain and receive his mercy. Uh, we, we see the scripture in Hebrews 4.16 that says, uh, that we're to approach the throne of God's grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of need. And, and, you know, all of us have some need in our life. Maybe your need today is forgiveness. Maybe your need today is to, to right some wrong in the relationship and, and, and have God's healing come into that relationship Maybe your need today is physical. You have physical infirmity that you're dealing with. Maybe it's financial. You're struggling with finances. But whatever your need is, God's grace and mercy meets us at a point of need. And, and as I share the word today, I really want that to come through uh, because I do have a word for you. And um, um, again, I'm, I'm so honored. Uh, it's, uh, I'm 64 years old. i I woke up, no pain, no aches. I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. He's allowed me to walk on this earth for 64 years. So how many of you are ready for the word this morning? Today and next week, we're talking about the new you. And just having Baptism Sunday last week, I believe this message dovetails so that we can begin to live out and walk out this new life in Christ. And so I want to talk about the new creation in particular and what that is and have so that we can have a better understanding of what the new creation is because it is a reality as a believer, but we need to have an understanding of it or otherwise we'll morph back into the old way of living, being controlled by fleshly impulses and desires that only lead to further pain and heartache. Uh, Revelation 21 5. We're going to start there and, and we're going to look at this verse and, and then we're going to pray. Revelation 21 5 reads, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and he who was seated on the throne, that's in reference to Jesus, said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I believe this statement in Revelation includes you. It includes your life. Even though this is spoken concerning the future, I believe it's relative to the present. Where God is wanting to do a new thing, a new work in your life and heart. He wants to bring about a change, a transformation, so that you can have a realization of who he is and what he wants to do and can do in your life. Because it's beyond what you can comprehend. God wants to do so much more than what you can comprehend. And I believe that God wants to reveal it. And I believe he's going to give us some insight concerning that. But we do want to pray uh, this morning. 
for the national unrest, for the riots in Minneapolis, for the mass shooting uh, and the consequences of that in Indianapolis. A nation is in turmoil and unrest. Well, guess what? We can be at peace and secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ, regardless of what's happening in the world around us. So we want to just begin with a word of prayer and look to God. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to come to you, to receive from your word. I thank you for these people that have gathered, gathered those who have joined us online. Lord, that we would have an encounter with you through the spoken word, through the truth that's shared. Holy Spirit, we invite you to illuminate our hearts and minds so that we can see and comprehend truth that can impact our lives. And Father, we do pray for our nation. We pray for the unrest. We pray against the evil forces of darkness that have corrupted minds that are trying to bring destruction. Oh God, we pray that you raise up an army of believers who serve your purpose. Father, who can speak truth in the light of falsehood. Oh God, we ask for revival in this nation like no other time. Oh God, that you would sweep this nation with a move of your spirit. And Father, let it begin within us as believers. Let it begin even here in this place today. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. I do believe a great awakening is coming to our land. And God is on the move in spite of all the evil and negative things you see, okay? But um, so now... What I want to talk about when we talk about the new you, that's the title of this message, uh, what we're not talking about is the result of some diet or some exercise plan that you've embraced and are working through that will transform your physical body and change your life. Now, that may happen and can happen, but that's not the focus of this message. Um, or the new you is not acknowledging a new hairstyle although it's often an expression. In fact, I pulled up an archive picture here. Uh, uh, I was invited to blow the shofar at a wedding. This was back in 1990. Okay, that kind of dates me. But it's Deb, my lovely wife, had convinced me that I needed to get a perm <laughs> and grow a mullet, or whatever they call that thing. But uh, so... Maybe that will come back in style, okay? Who knows, okay? Uh, but, so I'm not talking about a new hairstyle, the new you. Oh, this is the new me, okay? Uh, we're talking, well, what we are talking about, the new you in this message is the work of God in your heart that transforms your life, okay? The new you has to do with a new identity, a new perspective, a new outlook on life, a new focus, a new purpose, a new destiny. It has to do with a new love and passion for God and for people. A new drive and passion to live and act to honor God for the rest of your life. You know, something we spoke of our kids, you know, as they were growing up, we would look them square in the eyes. And we would tell them, you will serve God all the days of your life, and you will never serve the devil. We spoke, they heard that number of, a number of times as they were growing up. But that was our declaration over our children. And um, I'm thankful for children that love God, that are serving God, 
And um, I don't know how I got sidetracked there, but anyway, I'm thankful for what God's done in my life and family. So grateful to him. Um, the new you, let me say, that we're going to talk about is the real you as a Christ follower, which is actually and made known to you through the pages of the Bible, God's word. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals to us this Bible, this word, so that we can understand and comprehend it and walk in the revelation of it. So our attitude towards the word of God determines the place that God holds in our everyday life. I'll say that again. The attitude that we have towards the Bible, towards the Word of God, determines the place that God holds in our everyday life. Okay? Uh, it should never be treated as a common book. as just another book that you read. In fact, it should be as if Jesus stood in front of you and is speaking into your life. When you open up this Bible, this is God speaking to you. This is Jesus speaking to you. In our last Sunday, as I said, we had a number of people that were water baptized, and it's good to see some of them here. And, and I know and I've heard some great testimonies of how this week has been for them. But it's a new step, a new beginning as they continue to move forward in their journey with Jesus. But through submersion in water, in baptism, we symbolically speak of the death and the burial of our old way of life and rising up out of water to a new life in Christ. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. We're going to look at that. That's a key verse we want to focus on uh, initially in this message. And so uh, this new life is what we want to talk about, the new you. And it has to be something that we embrace because otherwise the old you will try to seize control and take over and pull us back to where we were. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, I'm reading from God's Word translation, and it reads, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. This is fact. This is true. This is our new reality, okay? Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. In other words, vanished. A new way of living has come into existence. Now, uh, verse 18, I'm going to share this part because this is the reason why the new has come. Verse 18 says, God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. So, in other words, we are engrafted and um, enlisted in a greater purpose and dynamic that God has planned for us for the foundations of this world. It's not just us to have this encounter with God and that's it, but for us to have this encounter with God and then help others have a similar encounter with Him, okay, by sharing the good news. Now, the new creation is in reference to the new nature we receive when we're born again and made alive unto God. Now, that term born again is something we see in John chapter 3. He's, Jesus was speaking to a, a priest, 
And Jesus told that priest, you must be born again. And the man was a little bit confused. You mean I need to go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that kind of rebirth. He was speaking of what occurs spiritually when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and he, he does something internally in our heart and causes us to be born again. And that is in reference to becoming a new creation, a new creature in Christ. See, uh, Adam and Eve are the only two people that came into this world that were created. The rest of us were born, okay? And so when we see the new creation, this is similar to God doing something and creating something that did not exist prior or before that moment. And so if any believers in Christ, they are a new creation. Now, the new creation, again, speaks of something within us that did not exist before because our human spirit is recreated. It was actually prophesied by Ezekiel, the prophet in the Old Testament, speaking of, of what would happen. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, and he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27 goes on to say, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. See, God understood the nature of man. And the only way that we could live right and do right is for us to receive him, for him to enter us and come into our life. His spirit, his own, his very own spirit coming in and living life through us. So to understand this new creation, we first must grasp that it is in fact a creation, something created by God. And John 1.13 tells us that the new birth was brought about by the will of God. See, it's something that we could not work for or earn or even deserve. We don't deserve the new nature. It's something that God does as a gift of his working in us. See, God did not just clean up our old nature. He didn't just clean up the old nature. He created something completely fresh and unique, okay? The new creation is entirely new. It's brought about from nothing. And just as the universe was created by God from nothing, uh, this same verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, in the New American Standard Bible reads a little different. And I'm going to share that with you as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, the old things have passed away refers to everything that is part of the old nature, okay? And that would be natural pride, um, the love of sin, reliance on your own uh, self-works or good works, and the former opinions and habits and passions that you once had. Um, I want to read this from a couple more versions. I, I love versions. Michaela said that I, I love looking and studying the Bible and various versions of the Bible. Uh, the Amplified is wonderful because it takes the Scripture and it amplifies it. It takes uh, meanings from the Greek and it puts it out there in a way that's a little more wordy 
but yet it gives a greater meaning and explanation of it. Okay, so this is 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified Bible. And it reads, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith, in him as Savior. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Uh, I encourage you, if you don't have an Amplified Bible, get one. Or you can, the U version online, you can uh, download that as one of the references, the um, Bible versions. But that's amazing. That is power packed. And we could spend the rest of our time talking about that. But I actually have a question I want to ask you and then three points to give you, okay? Who or what do you identify with? Or in today's culture, the question has arisen, who do we identify as? Okay, now that's a hot topic, okay? It's a hot question in our culture today. But let me just lay this out as a foundation, as a principle that we need to understand. That is, identity is not our choice, but it's our discovery. It's our discovery when, and to qualify the word when, when we seek the truth of God's word, the Bible, <laughs> uh, it's then that it becomes clearly revealed to us when we seek the truth of the word. Our identity, our true identity, is clearly revealed without question, without debate, and it becomes a settled issue for the believer. The reason people, and I'm going to talk more about this next week. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to talk a lot of focus about our identity. The identity crisis in our culture today is because people don't know the truth of the word. Once you understand the truth of the Bible, it solves the identity crisis in people's lives. All right, that's all I'll say. We'll get more in that last week. I don't want to jump ahead of the game here, okay? Now, realize this, and I'll share this about identification. He identified you as his own, okay? Uh, the New Living Translation in Ephesians 1.13 reads this way. And now, you Gentiles, and Gentiles is a reference to those that were unbelievers, not followers of God. It says, now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. It goes on to say, and when you believed in Christ, notice this, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So understand this. If you're a believer, Jesus identified you as his own. Okay? He's identified with you. He's identified you with himself, okay? That's important. And so, as I said, next week we'll talk more about that. And I want to talk about the call to Christ-likeness because that's the greatest calling in our life, to be like him. And that's possible because of what he's made available to us. So three important words we need to know about the new you, or we could say the new creation. Uh, in fact, for the believer, the new you and the new creation are one and the same, or we could also add... Uh, the word nature. And so the first word we want to talk about is nature. 
nature. Now, I'm not talking about what's outside and all the flowers, the trees, the streams, the rivers, the ponds. Um, but Merriam-Webster's definition of nature is the inherent character or basic constitution of a person or a thing, okay? It means the essence, the disposition, the temperament, and inner force, such as instinct, appetite, desire, or the sum of such forces in an individual. It's humankind's origin or natural condition, okay? So that's what uh, the word nature, it's the makeup of who you are. And I'm not going to repeat that definition. If you want, go back on the podcast and you can listen to it again, okay? We want to get through this, okay? Um, now, let me share this. You have to choose to throw something off to put something on. Now, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I do know this about you. All of you change clothes. And now, yeah, you all, and thank God you do, Okay. Um, because if you don't, you know, we might have to have more air freshener around here. But um, most people just don't put clothes over the ones they have on. Unless it's really cold, then you layer. How many of you have layered before? You just put more layers on? Okay. But, you know, we change clothes. We take something off, we, and, and some of you throw them off, Okay. My kids threw them off, and the trail sometimes would be seen through the house. The evidence of them throwing off their clothes was seen everywhere, okay? Um, but you have to choose to throw something off in order to put something on. And turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, because we want to see this in regards to the new you, to the old you, and what we need to do in regards to that. Ephesians 4, verse 21, starting at 21, says, since... You have heard about Jesus. How many of you heard about Jesus? Oh, my. Yeah. Awesome. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. See, you don't just, you don't just put the new nature on over it. You have to throw the old nature off. You have to do something with it. Notice it says, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. See, the Holy Spirit's involved to renew your thoughts, your attitudes. And verse 24, put on your new nature. Notice this, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, we have a new nature that is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, some of you are trying to do that on your own by trying to live right and do good to deal with sin. It's called self-righteousness. But God has provided righteousness for us to put on as a cloak, as a robe, so that we can live this life out in Christ and walk it out in Him. See, we are recreated to be like God. Now, I'm, don't, get, don't misunderstand me here. In the initial beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, his intent and purpose and what he accomplished was to make man in his very image and likeness. And see, what happened is sin entered the picture and it marred that image. It messed that image up. 
So what Jesus came to do is to reinstate God's original intent so that we could be recreated in the image and likeness of God and live out that godly nature that it would be lived out through our very lives. This is just so amazing what God has done. And um, Colossians chapter 3, 8 through 10, this kind of parallels with Ephesians in the same dynamic that we see here. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says, But now you must put them all away. This is speaking of the junk, the garbage, the things we do that is not, that's part of the old nature. Notice it says anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. You mean I have to stop swearing? I, I guess so, yeah. Obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Wow. And where do we get that renewal? When we renew our minds with the word of God. We can come into understanding what that's supposed to look like. Our new self or new nature default is programmed to live right, okay? Our old self or nature, our old nature's default is programmed to sin, to resist God and to rebel against Him. So to operate in the new nature, the new you, you must refer to the owner's manual, okay? In fact, there are different settings and functions uh, that we have to make in our life when we look to the owner's manual, right? Um, we need to declare hunger, a hunger strike against the old self to deprive it of what it wants. In other words, you need to starve your fleshly nature, the old nature. Um, and don't, don't gratify it. Don't feed it. If you starve it, it will die. It will lose control. I mean... Uh, Anything you don't feed will get weaker and weaker. So if you're feeding the old man, the old nature, it's going to continue to be strong and you won't be able to defeat it, especially if you're not feeding your spirit, your new man, okay, with the Word of God. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul, he actually said, I beat my body, not, not physically beat, but he disciplined himself in such a way to keep his body in subjection to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God so that he could overcome. See, you deprive the old you of what it wants so you can give God what he wants, okay? And in fact, the old you wants control, but we must give that control to God. And, and I, I think, and I've shared this many, many times over the years, I believe the greatest struggle in Christianity is a yielding and a surrender issue. It's yielding and surrendering your will to God's will. And we see that played out in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. That needs to be our heart embrace that we want God's will to be done in our life. And if that's your conviction, you'll be able to overcome. Jesus was dealing with what he had to face in the natural, what his flesh was rebelling against, going to the cross and, and suffering and dying. But he embraced the will of God, knowing that there would be a positive outcome. And so there is a great escape for you. And, and um, we're going to uh, turn to first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. How many of you have gone to one of those escape rooms? 
and, you know, you're working together as a team and you're trying to figure out how to get out of this place. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, don't put me in there. I might, you know, spend the rest of my life there. And <laughs> um, no, I think I could figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I'm, I like to figure out riddles and that. But anyway, God has a great escape plan for you as a believer. And we see that played out here in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Notice it starts out by saying, by his divine power. I like that, divine power. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's beyond this natural realm. It's divine. It's supernatural. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Period. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So in one sense, we're, not, we're without excuse. But we make excuses. Oh, but I... Yeah. You know, we're making excuses all the time to compensate the flesh, to gratify the flesh, to give the flesh what it wants and, and let it rule in our life. But uh, this is pretty clear. Now, notice it says, it goes on to say, we have received all of this by coming to know him. All of what, what we have need to live a godly life. Okay, so knowing him and growing in your relationship with, with him uh, will give you understanding of what you have to overcome in this life. It goes on to say, uh, the one, I'll, I'll take it back up, we, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And verse 4 goes on to say, and because of his glory and excellence, and that, those are words that describe God in his attributes, his character, okay? And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. There's a book of promises that you have right there. Um, notice it goes on to say, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So God's given us promises. He's given us his name. He's given us the ability to resist the devil, to resist temptation. He's given us uh, the word that we can stand on to overcome temptation. And so th that we can escape the world's corruption because it's out there. The corruption's out there. And it's captivating people right and left. But you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be captured by the world's corruption, okay? So God's power gives us the ability to live a godly life. The divine nature is something we share with Jesus, or should I say it's something he shares with us. As a partaker of the divine nature, believers do not have to follow the sin nature anymore. At salvation, our old nature is defeated, and we have a new nature now. A divine nature that desires the things of God, okay? We take on his attributes. How many of you would say that your desires have changed once you got saved, you know, you know, somebody said, Pastor, now, oh, and this was before I was a pastor, he said, oh, uh, you're a Christian, that means you can't drink. And I said, no, it's not that I can't drink, uh, it's that I don't desire to drink anymore. Oh, see, God changes our desires. There's some things I don't desire to do anymore because it was not beneficial for my life. It only brought more pain and heartache in my life, Okay. So, 
As partakers of the divine nature, believers are made to be part of God's family. And the result is a changed life. See, no one who is truly born of God will continue to sin. At least they don't want to sin, okay? Because the scripture says God's seed remains in them in 1 John 3, 9. Because they're born of God. See, by giving us his nature, God makes us his sons and daughters and conforms us to the image of his son. We see that in Romans 8, 29. Now, as partakers of the divine nature, believers have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. God declares that we are more than conquerors because of the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Uh, Romans 8, 37. Now, what about Christians who continue to sin? Should I address that or should we just end the service? Right. We better address that. How many of you think we should address that? What about Christians who continue to sin? Well, let me just say this. There's a difference between continuing to sin and continuing to live in sin. Because people struggle with habits. They struggle with issues. In fact, uh, we may not reach sinless perfection in this life because we're still human. We still mess up. You know, you might think I'm the perfect husband. I'm not. I mess up. Thank God I have a wife that kind of, hey, oh, don't do that, okay? You know, and I do the same for her. You know, we, we're on each other. But I'm not perfect, and neither are you, okay? So don't look at me that way, okay? <laughs> so, so we may not reach sinless perfection in life, but the redeemed Christian is being transformed by the renewing of their minds day by day and sinning less and less. Right? You know, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. It doesn't say a righteous man never falls. It says a righteous man, when they do fall, they get up. They ask for forgiveness. And they move on. And with greater determination, they refuse to give place to the enemy. Okay? Um, and in the problem with sin, sin is destructive. The wages of sin is death, the scripture says. The gift of God is eternal life, okay? So, yes, we may still sin, but unwillingly and less and less frequently as we mature and grow in our walk with God. See, the new self despises the sin that once held us in bondage. See, it's when you just say, oh, I guess I just got to give in to the sin. No, you need to fight it. You need to resist it and repent from it. The difference is that the new creation is no longer a slave to sin as we formerly once were. We are now freed from sin and it no longer has power over us according to Romans 6, 6 and 7. It says sin shall not have dominion over you. We are empowered by the righteousness of God within us, okay, which is a gift. He's given us a gift. We now have the choice to either let sin reign in our life or to let the new nature, the new creation to rule in our life. Okay, I'm going to get through these last two really quick, okay? The second word is mindset. Mindset. Where's your mindset at, okay? See, set your sights on the realities of heaven, okay? Um, Romans chapter 5, and I'm just going to share this passage. I need to share the other one too. There's two here. Colossians 1. Actually, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. It says, since... You have been raised to new life with Christ. And I, yes, how many of you raise your hand? Yes, I've been raised to new life in Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, 
okay? I like that word, realities of heaven, uh, that phrase. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. See, that's where we come into some problems. Our thoughts are not heavenly minded enough. Now, you've heard the expression, you're so heavenly minded, you don't know earthly good. Uh, well, I still think you need to be more heavenly minded. Because if you are, then you will be earthly good, okay? Um, okay? So it goes on to say, think about things of heaven, not things on the earth. Verse 3, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. What a place of safety and security. A new life is safe within Christ, within God. So the devil have a hard time getting through Jesus, through God, to get to you. When you realize that this is your place right now, this is your reference point right now. And then Romans 8, let's look at that real quick. Romans 8, 5 through 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh, in other words, if you're letting the old nature, the old you dictate and control your life, um, it goes on to say, Set their minds on the flesh, on the things of the flesh, those who, let me start over, okay. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So where is your mind being set? Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. That's what God desires for each and every one of us, life and peace, okay? And it goes on to say, I have to find my place, okay, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Think about that. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. It's impossible for the old nature to even submit to the law of God. To the word of God. So that's why we cannot set our mind on the flesh. We must set it on the spirit. In verse 9, it goes on to say, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. And so this is so important that we be born again. We receive Jesus because we receive his spirit and to be filled with the spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless against the old nature in the flesh. The third word, reality, and I'm going to wrap this up. What do you perceive as reality? Uh, we have a new reality in Christ, and that's what needs to become our focus. Matthew 24, verse 14, it reads, Yet through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. This is speaking of the gospel being ministered and proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of the age will come. See, that's what we need to do for this world. Give them the reality of God. And how are they going to experience that unless they see it demonstrated and lived out through our lives? Remind yourself, I no longer live the life I used to live. Why? Because I'm a new creature in Christ. Because I'm a new creation. Ephesians 4.21 reads, If you have 
really experienced the anointed one, that's Jesus, and heard the truth, it will be seen in your life. Look at that. You might say, yeah, I've accepted the Lord. He's in my heart. I'm a Christian. Well, is it seen in your life? It goes on to say, for we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And Jesus is embodied in us. Think about that. See, that's the whole mystery of the gospel. Christ in us, the hope of glory, living life through us as we yield ourselves to him. I want to close in this verse, Galatians 2.20, because this talks about the reality right now where we need to, what we need to embrace. Galatians 2.20 says, My old identity has been crucified with Christ and no longer lives. In other words, we put that thing to death. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. Wow. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. Dispensing his life into mine. Oh, that's the Passion Translation. Do you love that? He has dispensed his life into our life. What a revelation. I want to take this moment and um, extend an opportunity because I know uh, this, is, this is a teaching, I believe, that is primarily for believers because you need to understand this truth so you can live this life out in Christ. But if you're here today or if you have, have tuned in online and, and you would say and be honest, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christ follower, but you know, I, I'm open to receiving Jesus today. Maybe something I said or something the Spirit of God has done on your heart has moved you in such a way to bring you to a place where you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus. You can live for yourself or you can die to yourself. If you die to yourself, you will gain life in Christ when you give your heart and life to Him. You might say, you know, if I were to die today, I have uncertainty of where my eternity would be spent. And that's a real question, unless you don't believe in any afterlife. But I, I would not take chances on that, on that kind of a belief system. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm uncertain where my life is at with God, but I'm willing today to commit myself to Him. I'm willing today to open my heart to Him, to receive Him as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus is God that became man. He came to this earth with a mission in mind, and that was to save you, to save me, to save lost humanity from the corruption of sin and its bondage that brought to humanity. Every evil work in this world we see is a result of sin manifested at some level. Jesus came to address the nature, the root of that sin, and we can be freed from that root and receive a new nature, be recreated in His image and likeness to take on His nature once again as He originally intended when he created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God, but I'm willing right now to surrender to Him. Just lift, lift, lift up your hands so I can see it. Thank you, Jesus. Can I see those hands? Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand together. Thank you. I see those hands. Awesome. People have raised their hands. And, and what we're going to do now is we're going to pray a prayer, and I call this prayer a believer's prayer. And it's a prayer that when you pray sincerely from your heart and embrace these words and make them your own, God is going to do something supernatural and significant in your life. So if you would, let's join together. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me to bear the penalty of my sin, to take on my sin so that I could take on his righteousness. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sin. I choose this day to make you the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me and you rose from the dead to give me life, to give me a new nature. I believe in you now, Jesus, and I receive you now, Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, praise God. I, I'm so thrilled for those of you that prayed that prayer in a little bit. We're going to have the prayer team up here. We're going to encourage you to come up and receive prayer. Talk to anyone on the prayer team. We have information that we want to connect uh, you to or give to you. Those online, if you prayed that prayer, uh, you can check out and uh, reach out on our website, and we can get information to you as well to follow up in your journey with Jesus. Thank you so much for being so attentive to the Word. Let's worship God. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to receive from the Lord today. If you chose to give your life to Jesus today or would like to find more of our content, we would love for you to get connected with us on our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing week.